This is the Athletics of Business Podcast, Episode 20. Welcome to the Athletics of Business, a podcast about how the traits and behaviors of elite athletes and remarkable business leaders frequently intersect. The real stories and hard lessons to help you level up your leadership and performance. Now your host, Ed Molitor. Welcome to the Athletics of Business Podcast, and I am your host, Ed Molitor. Today's special guest is my friend, Mark Pattison. Mark is a former NFL player attempting to climb the seven summits. Once successful, and he will be successful, Mark will become the first NFL player to ever do so. To date, he has been on five of the world's tallest peaks with only Everest and Vincent looming. Mark played five years in the NFL. Then he went on to start several successful multi-million dollar businesses, including one that was venture-backed and acquired by University Games. Mark travels around the country speaking to corporations about overcoming adversity and finding their way through his seven summits of success strategies as he shares stories from the gridiron in college, the NFL, mountaineering, and his various business ventures. Mark will take you on an expedition and help ignite you and your organization to unleash your potential, achieve your goals, live your purpose, traverse through life's obstacles, add greater meaning to every aspect of your life, master your own destiny, and never giving up on living the life you want. Mark, welcome to the Athletics of Business Concept. I cannot thank you enough for joining us and taking time out of, out of your day. Uh, I am humbled, honored, and fired up to have you with us today. Well, I'm the same way. Thank you very much for having me. So tell us, tell us about your journey. Take us all the way back. And obviously, you're going to do an amazing job of speaking right into to, you know, our brand, the Athletics of Business. Um, but you've had, since you finished playing in the NFL, you've had an amazing journey. And I'd like you just kind of to take us back a little bit to the end of your playing days and what you did right after that. Yeah, no problem. Um, so I, I played five years in the NFL. I went to the University of Washington where I, I was very fortunate to play. What I didn't know at the time because the way was really cresting, but there's a guy up there named Don James. He would later become a Hall of Fame coach. And uh, my freshman year, we went to the Rose Bowl. My second year, we went to the Rose Bowl. I redshirted. And so my third year, we were knocked out on the last game of the year. Uh, to, to go back to the Rose Bowl, uh, we ended up in the Loha, Loha Bowl in Hawaii. The next year, same deal, exact same scenario um, back in Hawaii. And then my fifth year, um, we ended up in the Orange Bowl. We were number one most of the most of the time that we were up there and uh, ended up actually number two in the country. Um, and so, uh, you know, after I, I got done playing in the NFL, um, I was like a lot of athletes, you know, pretty lost about what direction I was going to go. Um, mm -hmm. Probably took me about two years. I started to invest in, in real estate and stuff like that, but that wasn't my true passion. And so it was really trying to figure out what that next thing for me was going to be. And, and a lot of it was, was trying to be very entrepreneurial. I didn't necessarily want to go out and work uh, for anybody. I'd been exposed to big business through, you know, being around the Raiders and being around the New Orleans Saints and seeing the way, you know, the owners are and, and, and the way that other guys on the team had been out, you know, getting involved in other different projects. So I started a marketing company and, uh, you know, that kind of led to a lot of uh, great things. Um, 
uh, everything kind of had a tie to it. And, you know, I just kept learning and growing and learning and growing. I grew up in a very entrepreneurial community, that being Seattle, Washington. So, you know, there's so many companies, we call it the center of the universe, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Microsoft and Amazon and Expedia, yes. and, you know, so many different great companies up there. And I worked with all those companies, um, mm -hmm. my marketing company. And then uh, ultimately, I, I started a, a venture back company, um, toy company called uh, Front Porch Classics, and raised a bunch of money, ultimately about $11 million. That. And uh, it was a real education for me in terms of dealing with the board and investors and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah, and so kind of the end game with that was we ended up in 700 different retail locations, seven countries, and sold the company. And so, uh, you know, it was a real lesson in terms of how to, to, to do all that. And, um, you know, I guess along the way, uh, like a lot of people, I, I, I met my, um, my, my wife, my college sweetheart, and we went off, we got married and we had kids and moved down to California. And so a lot of things were going on and, right. um, kind of coming full circle. We can get into more detail about this, but, um, about seven years, um, after, uh, you know, being in business for a long time and, and trying to raise a family and go through all that, I ran into a wall and uh, my um, long-term uh, uh, marriage uh, was coming crumbling down and uh, my dad uh, uh, had a stroke and ultimately died after three months. And so it was pretty tough. And so I, I really needed right. to figure out, you know, like how I was going to break, break through and right. figure out what I was going to do next. Right. That that had to be you know tough. Everything happening at once. So, what was your mindset when all of that those things started happening? And you know, obviously, it was many years ago. But sorry to hear about that struggle in, in your father. And what was your mindset when when that was happening? Well, it wasn't good. And and I'll tell you, one of the reasons why it wasn't good is because we actually had moved from Seattle, where I know everybody. It seems like, mm -hmm. and you know, growing up there, started a business, and, and my my now ex wanted to go back to California. And she wanted to resume her acting career. And she'd done very well, you know, kind of back in the day. Um, but, um, you know, in order to try to get her, her happy, um, it was just like sacrifice and said, let's move back to California, move to Santa Monica. And so not only were these things happening in terms of the relationship um, breaking apart, but um, I had no friends down there. You know, I found myself in a very lonely environment. Um, right. I, I, I used to be the coach of everything like you, you know, of, of my kids and being involved in the school and, and all right. that community left. And, and so in terms of having the support group, it really went out the door. So I felt very alone and, um, you know, it was just not a good place for me to be at that period of time. And so when you don't have uh, internal support on the home front and you don't have external support within the community, it makes right. life pretty tough. So what did you do? Well, you know, um, I, I, there was a couple of years where I had this chocolate lab and, and I like to talk about this because it's true. And, you know, he was like my best friend, right? Yep, absolutely. So every single night I'd, I'd get up and in Santa Monica, they've got these fairly large blocks. They're not small blocks as you go around. And I walked this, this chocolate lab around this block and, you know, I, I really felt stuck and I felt like, you know, where, where, where was I going to go? My business was going okay, but, you know, life is so much more than just you know, getting a paycheck. And, right. uh, and so I just kept asking myself, you know, how did I get here? How did I get here? And then after a couple of years of doing this, I, I really felt like, you know, you can't go anywhere when you are treading water. And so at that mm -hmm. point in time, um, it was just one night, I don't know what it was, it was a full moon or something. 
And it was just like, you know, this has got to stop. I'm not going anywhere. I, I don't do well um, in, 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 in slow motion or standing in one spot for too long. And so I just said, you know, I'm going to change my mindset. And I, I, I changed that question from how did I get here to what am I going to do about it? In that point, you know, it just seemed like my, my creative channels, you know, like reopened and, and there's like all kinds of things were coming in my head. But the one thing that came in my head was the one thing that I want to do that gives, brings me so much joy is doing athletic challenges. And mm -hmm. so I didn't want to just do any kind of athletic challenge. I wanted to do something that we call in the business world a BHAG, a <laughs> big hairy audacious goal, <laughs> right? Yep. So yep, I, absolutely. I, yeah, so growing up in Seattle, you know, I, I had really uh, come to know a number of mountaineers and guys who I'd always respected. And, and um, I knew some guys who had climbed Everest, and it was just like, you know, I want to be one of those guys someday, number one. And number two, I'm going to do some research to see if any NFL players ever climb the seven summits. Yeah, I love and, that. And the answer is nobody had. And I said, I'm going to be that guy. And so there was no like master plan, you know, beyond that, other than just like, I got to figure out a roadmap to go back down and, and, and attack these crazy mountains. You know, how do you do this? And right. so um, at that point, you know, it just kind of unleashed me to go, you know, take this thing on. And, and then out of that, a lot of stuff started to come to me. Mm -hmm. Can I take you back for one second to that mindset switch? Because it's going to play into what you just, uh, what you just told us. What did that feel like when you finally made that, that switch from, you know, um, how did this happen to me to what am I going to do about it? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And the answer is it was super liberating. Mm -hmm. And it was liberating because I felt I, I, I had options. You know, I wasn't stuck. I felt I could get momentum, which uh, up to that point, I didn't feel like I had any. I felt like, you know, I, I had the ability to take a step forward. And all these things sound super simple today. But at the time when you're immersed in this and, you know, you, you signed up for life, you know, I'd know my, my now ex, you know, for 30 years, married for 24. And, you know, when I signed up, I signed up for life. And so right. to break that commitment. And, I, and another thing I, I, I found along the way that, that uh, is, is, is probably one of my greatest strengths and my greatest strength is also my greatest weakness and that's never giving up. And I learned that mm -hmm. in football, right? And so we could be down, you know, by 30 points in the fourth quarter with two minutes to go. And I was 100% confident we we're going to win that game. And most of the time we did. Mm -hmm. And so, and so, you know, sometimes you just got to know in business or in relationships or other thing where, if, you know, if you've worked it in every which way and it's not working, it's holding you back for being all you can right. be, right. It, you got to call it. And that right. was a, that was a big lesson. Yeah, but but very liberating. I can only and, and some of the things you've said, opportunities, your creative juices started flowing again. And I've got to ask you, I do my research before podcasts. You are a history and political science major, yeah. right? Is that yeah. is that correct? Yeah. Where did this entrepreneurial spirit come from? And I know you mentioned you came from an entrepreneur family, but it is absolutely amazing how you jumped right into this after your playing career. Well, I think my grandfather had really paved the way, and he's a guy that had grown up in Montana, and then when he was 18 years old, coming from a small um, ranch out in the middle of nowhere where they had to jump on a horse every day and ride to school, um, he came on his own to Seattle and started these bars and the bars, then he'd get them going and then he'd sell them, and ultimately that became a restaurant, and then ultimately that became hotels, and ultimately that became racehorses. And so I was around that a lot. I worked for him in his, in his restaurants, and... Uh, 
I really, you know, had my eyes open to possibilities on on what could be. And then again, I think I was double exposed when I got into the NFL and I just saw how truly big business worked. And, you know, at the Raiders especially, um, you know, it was, the, it was the day back in the LA Raiders. And so I was right down there in the center of everything and Howie Long was on the team and Marcus Allen and, you know, Al Zeto and at the, at the time, OJ Simpson would pull into the parking lot in his, you know, Lamborghini and, it was like, holy smokes, you know? And, <laughs> and so not that the flash is all about, but it was like, these guys are doing things outside of just playing football, meaning right. endorsements that, um, you know, had a impact beyond just the football field. And that leads me to a question. Howie Long, Lyle Elzado, um, quarterback, Jim Plunkett. Yep. Correct. Yeah. And who, who was, or I should say, I shouldn't isolate, but who were your best teammates and why? Man, well, that spans into, uh, you know, I mean, again, it goes back into to college too, right? So Jim Moore is my best friend and, um, you know, he's the, he last coached at UCLA and he's been the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. I also played for his dad down in, in, in New Orleans. Um, uh, Hugh Millen, he played 10 years in the NFL. So we were high school teammates together. So we grew up, you know, all the way through. When so I got cool. down to the uh, the Raiders, you know, the Raiders, you know, they, they even though that their their win loss record in the last couple of years has not been great, um, they truly do have a, a unique family sense in terms of the camaraderie that they have. They have customs, and they brought me right in. So it wasn't just one guy. I mean, it was all of them. I mean, Plunkett brought me in under his wing. Cliff Branch was right there. Matt Millen, um, Lester Hayes. I mean, these guys. They all. If you once you made it into the club, you're in the club. And it still mm -hmm. is that way today. Every year they have a Raider reunion up in Santa Rosa and they bring all the ex guys back. And it's just, doesn't matter if you play one year or 10 years or whatever, man, they yeah. treat you all the same. It's great. I got, I got to think that's not a bad time. No. And I'll tell you another mm -hmm. thing too, you know, just two years before that I'd watch those guys play the Washington Redskins on TV. And I never imagined myself necessarily, you know, like one of those guys. And then I got down there and, and again, uh, a lot of professional uh, sports is all about mindset. And right. I was then became one of those guys because I said, I am going to become one of those guys. And as we're sitting there, you know, I can remember there's all these rookies and everybody else sitting in a room and there's a hundred plus guys and they were going to bring, you know, like 55 guys in a roster. And I said, I don't know who's, who's going to be able, still be sitting in the room, but it's, it's still going to be me. I'm not going to be one of those guys that's going to be cut no matter what. Right. And you just got to have that relentless, um, attitude, which I think, you know, is, has been a real crossover for me um, in the business world as well. And what I'm doing now, climbing mountains. So, I mean, relentless. And the other word that comes to my mind is resilient, resiliency. Yeah. How, how, how did, how do you see resiliency showing up in your, your corporate career, but now with the seven summits, how do you see that showing up? Well, I think uh, like, like anything to, to be successful, you have to be emotionally, physically, spiritually, you have to be strong in all these different areas. And I don't think you can wake up and just say those things. I think you have to actually go out and do them. Um, I think in my mind, um, just like I did this morning, um, the, the, the first thing I do every single morning, I put my feet on the floor, I call it FOF, feet on the floor. And then I walk out the door <laughs> and I'm either, I'm either climbing up a mountain or I'm going to the gym or doing something. But I feel like you have to exercise that muscle the mm -hmm. physical muscle and push through and do things that are uncomfortable. And, mm -hmm. um, and by doing that, then that strengthens, strengthens the mind. 
And in, in particular, what I found is, is, you know, in that for me, the, my meditation of being in the mountains and being unplugged and not having my phone and my computer and everything else, you know, blasting and pinging and all these things that happen electronically, right. it really gives you that time to get clear about what the things that you want to do in life, not just, you know, you're climbing the mountain, but also, you know, problem solving and it helps relieve a lot of stress and everything else. And I think that all builds towards the resiliency of when you hit um, adversity hits you and now what are you going to do about it and how do you, how are you going to get around that, that obstacle? Are those some of the things that attracted you to the mountains? I mean, you could do marathons, you could do triathlons, there's all sorts of things, but you chose this thing that is physically, mentally, and emotionally as challenging for, for, I mean, I would think as it possibly gets. Yeah. Well, you know, the, 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 I didn't just start climbing the seven summits, um, trying to become the first NFL player to climb the seven summits. You know, it really started before then. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I can tell you there's a mountain outside of Seattle when I lived up there. Um, it's called Tiger Mountain. And I've probably been on top of that mountain 150 times. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why it's been 150 times, if you just do the math, um, I was consistent during the winter and during the spring and during the summer and during the fall of going up that mountain, which meant in Seattle, it's rainy, it's snowy. I mean, I've, I've cleared snow that's up to my knees, you know, and you just wow. go. And, yeah. and that's just part of it. And so it's, it's like so many things you do. We talked before we went live here about, you know, my Instagram, uh, I'm sorry, my social um, audience, which has grown, you know, fairly, fairly high. And, and the, um, you know, so much of whether it's business, whether it's working out, whether it's relationships, it's all about uh, consistency with discipline, daily discipline, um, and that continuity that doesn't get broken. Talk about that consistency with the, uh, you know, daily discipline and the process, because obviously that's what mountain climbing is. It is such a process. How do you correlate that? And, you know, why don't we jump into uh, the e-course that you have coming out, the seven summits, and talk a little bit about that and how um, the process of mountain climbing relates so well to business and life. Yeah, well, so I've got a I've got an e-learning course that's coming out. It's out um, called Finding Your Summit, and you can find that on my website at markpattisonnfl.com. But you know, the bottom line is is that a lot of people have come to me and said, "Hey, Mark, how do you get these things done? And what do you do?" And so what I've done is essentially gone back and tapped into the things that my coaches taught me. That's all I've done. This isn't anything I've invented. It's just me passing along information. And a lot of it really came from, from Don James, my hall of fame coach, but where he stole it from was from John Wooden and you're a basketball guy, I think. And so Mm -hmm. John got, John Wooden is a guy who had not only won 10 NCAA championships, but he did it in a row, which is incredible. Mind-boggling. Yeah, and so he had this thing called the pyramid of success, and essentially what that is is twenty-five different blocks of individual and team goals that help you accomplish things that you want to to do in life. And you know, for him, you know, back in the day, it was of course winning the national championship uh, at uh, at the NCAA basketball level. And for us, um, we had skewed it and made it uh, so it was football centric. And so for us, it was winning the pack in those days, Pac-10. The, the football conference championship and then going to the Rose bowl and hopefully winning the national championship. And that was the pinnacle. 
And so, you know, I learned how to get myself uh, physically and mentally, and spiritually and everything ready. When, you know, when I came, first came to the University of Washington, um, you know, I was an all-state quarterback and, and receiver, and I was, I, I, I was offered a, a scholarship there. And I'd really never had to do anything. I just showed up and everything, you know, just worked. And I, was, I seemed to be right. a bit better than everybody else in terms of my speed and coordination. And when I got to the University of Washington, I looked around and, you know, all these guys were all Americans, but they were developed and they had been working at their craft. And I wasn't anywhere near and I was so far over my head. And I didn't think there was any chance. And so, um, you know, I had to like follow the program and, and do all the, the daily discipline, you know, working out, running the stairs, doing this and that. And that's really what helped develop a strong mind for me to get me, you know, through the NFL and starting these different businesses where I'm at today. So going back to the e-learning course, I've dumbed it down into my acronym called SUMMITS, S-U-M-M-I-T-S. And so S represents the, the seed, and then the use and leash, uh, the M is move, then you get a measure, then you have to improve. Uh, and then uh, after you improve, the T represents, uh, you have to diverse. We talked about that earlier, where things hit you, adversity, and what do you mm-hmm. do? You don't give up, but sometimes you have to go you know, on an unexpected detour they didn't think it was coming. Um, and then once you get through that and you're well on your way, then we get into um, the, the, the last, uh, uh, letter, which is S, uh, that represents to me the summit, the success. And that's really when you start paying it forward, you start moving it and passing it to other people. You start getting involved with things like I am with water boys, where you're now yep. giving back, you know, and that's really what that's all about. Let's talk about water boys. Cause that's absolutely amazing. And I love what you, what you folks do. Well, Water Boys was founded by a guy named Chris Long, and Chris is the son of Howie um, Long, who I played with, and Chris plays currently for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's won a couple Super Bowls last couple of years, so good for him. And, and about four years ago, uh, he went down to Africa, Tanzania, and saw that there's this huge gap in terms of um, uh, these villages that, 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 you know, you go out there and these, he was seeing that these, these, these mostly girls walking three, four miles with these Gatorade looking five gallon buckets on their head to go get water. In many cases, when they do that, they get attacked by these wild animals, they get raped. I mean, it's just all bad stuff. And plus the water is, is non pure. And so there's a lot of sickness that they bring back into these villages. And so he started this organization called Water Boys. And essentially what it is, is challenging um, uh, different players to go out and, and uh, raise X amount of money, um, cost $45,000 to build a well, and then uh, put that well in that village. Um, and by bringing exposure, he invites every year a group of guys down to, to, to these villages. And then we climb um, uh, Mount Kilimanjaro, which I've now been and done a couple times. And it's just an amazing thing they've done. And, you know, the original goal, I think, was to representing 32 teams. to have 32 different um, wells that are down in the Tanzania, uh, really in the Maasai uh, tribe mm-hmm. in the Serengeti. And I think they're up to like well 80 now. I mean, it's just wow. blowing up. Yeah, yeah. it's really yeah, amazing. Awesome. And they're going into uh, other parts of East Africa, Kenya and other places. That's got to be pretty rewarding. Well, I tell you something, you know, I was down there, I was in these, it wasn't, you know, a lot of times, you know, you, you donate to a cause and, and, you know, you feel good about that and write it mm-hmm. off your taxes. And in this case, we actually, you know, Jim Moore and I actually partnered up together when we went down there and we raised $47,000. We actually funded our own well. My dad's wow. name uh, who passed away is, uh, the, the well was dedicated 
uh, too, which I'm very thankful of. But we went into these villages, and when we walked in, they celebrated us like we were the <laughs> It was insane. Right. I mean, I'm yeah. not kidding you. I mean, we walked yeah. in there, and they were cheering us. They were crying. And and we walked over, and there's everybody in the village shows up, and they're, you know, they're not like the way, what you and I, Americans, are dressed like. They're like they were, they, what they wore, you know, 10,000 years ago. Right. Got sticks, and they're, they're sheep herders and all this stuff. Yeah. And, um, and we walk over, and the big ceremony, the ribbon cutting, was where we just turned on this little thing called the spigot, and some <laughs> water came out of it. And everybody That's cheered amazing. and hugged, and, yeah. <laughs> and it was amazing. And, and just their gratefulness of us, you know, doing that yeah. for them and uh, helping making that village sustainable it was really amazing. So how did that make you feel? I mean, in, what did that feel like? Well, it just, it, it made me feel like I was on, the, well, number one, I was on the right path. Number two, a life of giving is really mm -hmm. the ultimate gift in life um, of passing that along. And three, that I, I want a team together. And uh, which I'm doing with Water Boys, um, and we're coming together, finding your summit in Water Boys to, you know, promote even more awareness and to raise more money to build more wells, you know, in in right. East Africa. So, you know, it, it's it's a great thing, and especially when you're in those villages, which I plan to go back um, and seeing those people and interacting with them and seeing their their faces light up. It's amazing. Yeah. So let's get let's. And that's got that's part of your story. And I want to get to your story and the story that you tell. And we'll we'll talk about uh, where folks can find you for speaking engagements as well. But what is your main message? And we've 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 touched on it. But when when you because you have a very powerful message because you you've lived it, you're still living it. But what is your main message that you get across to your audiences? Yeah, I I think you know it's 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 a couple things. It's one finding your summit. I mean, I think that's at the bottom line, and it, it's not it's not about literally climbing up a mountain and trying to find your summit and what's on the other side. But I think whether you're stuck or whether you're just trying to improve, there's so many of, of people who I know that have done great in life and they're just at a plateau where you know every day they wake up and it's the same deal and they go into work and they come home, they pet the dog and they go back to bed and they wake up and it's repeat. And so it's really challenging yourself. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of the people who I do talk to have had to overcome adversity. And if you haven't overcome adversity, then it's around the corner waiting for you because it happens to all of us. And mm -hmm. so the really question is, you know, when that stuff happens, you know, how do you get yourself out of it? And if I can be of any kind of inspiration, um, if I have any words of wisdom, any of those things, then, you know, that I'm here, I want to be a resource, but it's really all about that. It's just finding your summit and I help people do that. In one of the videos I've watched, um, I've watched, uh, Mark, you said something that really resonated with me, and and that goes back to the conversation we we had before we jumped on this. And and for you, it was the transition from football to the corporate world. Okay, uh, for others, it could be changing industries, it could be changing jobs, it could be unexpected layoffs, just some of the things that go on in this world now. But you said um, if you could rechannel, and you're talking about NFL football players and being successful after football, yeah. if they could rechannel that same effort, that same energy into finding something you are really purposeful about, those things that are going to get you out of bed in the morning. How do you help people find that? Well, again, I, I think you have to be, you have to get true clarity. And when I did that, it was such a fun piece to do. The NFL Network uh, decided to do a, a piece called Life After Football. And 
I think, you know, again, getting a job, if you're somewhat motivated, anybody can get a job and nobody can ever tell me that you can't get a job because McDonald's and everybody else are always, you know, help wanted, right? (laughs) That's right. Now, now the question is, what do you want to be purposeful about? And Mm -hmm. I don't think that you can really get clear on where you want to go if you don't have a vision board that's out in front of you. And so, you know, I write these things down and, you know, that the other word for this is goal setting, but I literally have a vision board. I'm looking, I'm sitting here in my kitchen here in Sun Valley, Idaho, and I have a whole refrigerator chuck full of photos. And when I go up in my, my bathroom um, where I shower, um, I have a, a, a vision board written down of exactly what I'm trying to do. Um, and then every day I set these certain goals about how I'm going to get to that, to that goal. Now, you know, I'm still in the mountain climbing uh, part of it right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got two mountains to go to complete the seven uh, Vincent down in Antarctica. So I haven't been there, you know, but mm-hmm. my goal is to get there and I've made all these preparations and plans and every day I'm taking small steps to get there. But there's a little thing called New Year's, New Year's resolutions. And and what happens is at, at, at coming up here in the next month or two, you know, everybody's going to, you know, it's the end of the year. Now we're all going to write down our New Year's resolutions. And what happens is people get about two or three months into them and they break them. And mm-hmm. so what, what I think everybody needs, they need coaches like you, um, they need mm-hmm. mentors like I've had plenty of and coaches, um, mm-hmm. or they need people to help guide and keep them um, accountable for staying on course. Um, and if you don't, um, you know, then you don't, I, you know, even myself, you know, this, we've talked about this, you know, I have hired, uh, a, essentially a team of coaches to help keep me on course and help me continue to refine my message as right. I continue to go out. So this isn't just about going one-sided. This is I'm walking the walk and I'm talking the talk in terms of I'm doing the same thing. I'm trying to help other people do. And this is perfect. You've hired a team of coaches because in the old days, and, and I don't want to date what the old days were, but people would look at you working with a coach and say, man, something must be wrong with that person. But the mindset now, because the reality of the situation is Everybody who has been successful at a very high level has had at least one or two coaches in their life. You look at the great athletes, you look at the great business people. Talk a little bit about what having coaches, a coach, does for you. How does that bring more clarity? Because you're so successful and you're so talented. Why does a person need a coach? Well, I mean, I, I don't think I can be a jack of all trades. I mean, I think I know a little about a lot of things, but I think it gets down to this little word called, called perspective, mm-hmm. right? And and when and and when I say another corny old line here too, which is sometimes when you're in the forest, you can't see the trees, mm-hmm. and I think that happens with a lot of people. It happens certainly with me. Like I, I I have a certain way, and you know, you can I have my vision board, but you know, maybe there's a better way and there's a better path to getting to my ultimate goal of where I'm trying to get to. And everybody brings something a little bit different to the table. And certainly from a coach's standpoint, they, in, in my, my case, going back to my football days, there were um, tips on, on, on the experience tips on, hey, you can run this route a little bit better or how to read coverage, you know, defenses that were coming up and playing bop and run and doing all those things. And so there's just a, a, a different way. And, and that's the beauty when you're exposed to different people, everybody brings something slightly different to the table. In mountain climbing, I can tell you, there's, you know, there's how to deal with minus 40 degrees, how to put up your tent, how to build, build ice walls. 
um, how to navigate your way over the top of a crevasse when you're looking down a hundred feet, you know, and you're scared to, you know what? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah um, um, how to, to, to hydrate properly. Um, I was recently up at uh, Laird Hamilton's and Gabby Reese's house in Malibu. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a big wave, wave surfer and he's a big brand, you know, in the surf, mm-hmm. in, in the surf right. world. And, you know, he does this whole underwater workout thing. I've never done. It was just a great way to stretch me, which I took essentially 35, uh, between 35 and 55 pound weights and went in the deep end of the pool and jumped over and mm-hmm. having to come up and, and out of the water and, you know, like breach and breathe and, you know, obviously you sink right back down, but it's just right. a low impact way. And so he's trying to reinvent and that's not just on him, but it's just an example of having different influences come to teach you new things to improve your game. Cause if you're not, improve, you're, if you're not growing, you're dying. Amen. And the thing is you're intentionally looking for those opportunities. It's not like those opportunities are coming to you. Can you speak to that a little bit about how, how significant it is to intentionally look for opportunities to grow? Yeah. Well, I, I think the biggest thing is this, is that every action, and this is people got to know, is that every action has a reaction. Now that might be a negative reaction, but at least you're going to know that reaction, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so I think far too many people just don't take the action. They don't right. take the first step. And I can tell you for absolute fact that nothing like these companies, this climbing these different mountains, getting up in the morning, working out, um, my, my, my athletic career, you know, way back when there's not one thing that was ever given to me. I had to work my tail off for every single thing. And, um, and that's just been my life. And I've had other people that were born into, you know, very wealthy families, um, very famous names and good for them. You know, that's right. just the card they were dealt with. I wasn't dealt with that card. I've just like, like trying to, like I said, when I, I was born with certain skills and talents, like everybody is and mm-hmm. what I did as I just kept at it and at it and at it and at it and, and going back to that word relentless, I just never gave up or stopped short and you know I became a gym rat. But you gotta love the process. And I think that's one thing that I really enjoy is that process and understanding that there's some things in there that aren't fun, but you gotta do in order to get to where you wanna be. Right. And I firmly believe once you learn to love and embrace and love the process, you're going to love what the process delivers to you. But in your process, someone as successful as you and with the positive outlook that you have, with the the ability to just keep grinding and building your grit, does self-doubt ever creep into your mind? For sure. For sure. I think that's just a, a natural human emotion. Yeah. And, you know, and I never want to sell it any way differently. You know, I have a podcast mm-hmm. called Finding Your Summit and, and I openly talk about, you know, how many times I've fallen down. And, yeah. you know, the question is we keep talking about is what are you going to do about it and, and how are you going to get mm-hmm. back on that horse? And, mm-hmm. you know, I just know one thing. It's just, again, nothing has, has, has been given to me. I've had to work for every single thing. And then when things, you know, come – and it, maybe it's a negative event or something. The question is like, how do you get around that? And you just got to have that resilient resiliency and that strong mind. And there's other things that, you know, you've learned from, you know, a young yeah. age all the way through and make sure that you tap back into those things when things right. get a little tough. But you right. said it perfectly is that the, that the prize is so much more sweet when you mm-hmm. get to the top. I, I can tell you this too, is like, you know, somebody asked me this last week, like, what's that like when you get to the top? I, I tagged Denali, which is the highest mountain in North America up in Alaska. 
which wow. is an incredibly tough mountain to do. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I had to do it twice to get to the top. But they go, what's that like? And I go, well, the problem is, is that when once you get to the top, you're only halfway there. You still have to come all the way down. And you're talking about 14-hour <laughs> days, and that's hard. Right. And, I, and, and when I come into camp, you know, I am burned out. And, you know, yep. there's a lot of times along the way you got to give up and you just got to keep the mental exercise of, you know, go, 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 don't quit, you know. And, and, and you talked about fear and self-doubt and all those things. And that's just all real. And you got to play these mental, you know, gymnastics yeah. with yourself in, in terms of like keeping going and let, Love like, kicking that guy off your shoulder. <laughs> you know, let's talk about that because that's another great sort of analogy, if you will. But, um, you get to the top. So people think that's success, right? Yeah. But really, I mean, the most dangerous part lies ahead. Doesn't that? It does. Going back For down. Sure. You're so tired. You're so fried. So mentally, how do you do that? I mean, how, how do you get, let me, let me say that a little bit more clear. I mean, mentally, how do you get dialed back in? Like, holy cow, look at this beautiful view. I'm here. I've done it. Especially when you had to go back the second time because of, you had pretty inclement weather the first time. Wasn't it like minus 60? Yeah, it was minus 60 so, and a super storm yeah. was coming in to put it at minus 82. So sort of a little bit of adversity there. Okay. A lot of adversity. Yeah. <laughs> so you get there, now you're here, but now you got, you have to go down. So what do you do with yourself in your mind to get you, um, and not just to get through it, but to grow through it? Well, I'm, 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 I'm going to hit you with yet another football corny, you know, I love it. Keep them uh, coming. Yeah. Here the comes <laughs> where, where, where preparation meets opportunity. And, yep. you know, and, and, and a lot of that for me, and I'm still learning the game, um, but there's the conditioning aspect of it. So what have you done to put yourself in a position, um, to, to get up and down safely? Um, uh, nutrition, it's a big one for me. Um, because if you don't have the right kind of fuel, you know, going up, especially going down and especially, you know, when it's, when it's minus 30 and you're sitting down on a, on a, you know, the side of a glacier, you got your crampons on, you're all roped in, you're cold. And, and then you start, you know, you're, you kind of have the sweat when you're going up the mountain and when you sit down, you know, you immediately get cold. So there's a lot of work. You just don't sit down. And then you have to, you know, between the water intake and other foods that you're putting in your system, I mean, that all counts towards trying to keep yourself, um, you know, ready and and having enough energy to successfully make it up and down. And I can tell you this, that every single one of these expeditions I've been on, every single one, we've had people on there that should not be there. Yeah. And they did not, you know, again, the preparation of each other, they, they, they're, they're watching a movie, they're reading a book but they haven't put in the work and I, it pisses me off because they're putting my life in jeopardy, but you know, it is what it is. It's not like you can go, you know, pick your own, you know, basketball team or something. I I go with these um, expedition uh, outdoor groups. And so it's kind of people from all over the world are coming in. Man, we could talk a whole other podcast about teamwork, you know, based on that one, you know, and being committed, you know, being all in with your team and and being a part of something bigger than yourself. But I want want to bounce back real quick to, you know, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Did you have a chance, and we're not supposed to date the podcast, but there was this great game this past football season, Texas A&M versus LSU, seven overtime. Last weekend, yeah. And I'm sitting there watching, I'm sitting in my chair and, and you know, obviously there's a, a, a lot of folks down there that I'm texting with down in College Station and it's unbelievable. People are leaving the stadium when they think the game is over and you see the, the, these folks and, and some of the LSU players started dropping like flies. They started cramping, they started, yeah. you know, fatigue started setting in and, and I watched the, the press conference um, after the game and they said that there was players coming off the field from A&M 
that said they still could have played. We, we could have played two or three more overtimes, which is mind boggling. But I want to go to in terms of people think that you rise to the level of the occasion. But isn't the truth that you actually lower yourself to the, to the level of your training? And doesn't that speak volumes into your mountain climbing? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, it's an interesting way you phrase that. Um, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if I lower myself to my training. I, I, ele- I elevate my game to match the challenge that's in front of me, right? Right. Right. And and so I've I've actually been to College Station uh, with I was I served in a mentorship program with UCLA a football team the last six years and so they uh, UCLA uh, played at College Station so I've been there it's the greatest football environment I played at LSU Amazing. and that's also an insane environment to play in. <laughs> crazy <laughs> and those two worlds those two worlds collide right after Thanksgiving yeah no I mean, yeah. so I, I I can't imagine uh, I'm fortunate to have been in both places but. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, part of that too, you know, to me, it's, 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 it's crazy when, when kids start to, to cramp up, even though it can get pretty hot in both those different places. I don't know what the temperature was that particular night, but you know, they're also 22, right? Right, right, right. (laughs) What I was, what I was trying, what I was trying to get at though, was this, the big thing about uh, Jimbo down at Texas A&M, the change that he made was the level of accountability for work ethic with this team versus the last few years. So, but what I meant by lowering to the level of, of your training was, you know, how elevated, how elevated is your level of training? Do you make, do you make your training, do you make your work harder than the game is going to be? I think that's what I was trying to get at. And you were talking about folks not being prepared for the climb. So they shouldn't have been on the climb. So is that something that you do when you, when you get ready for your climbs, do you make it even more difficult in your training or as difficult as it can be than it's going to be on the climb? I always do. And one of the things I've always said is um, that uh, I, I, if I'm not going to make the top, I don't want it to be because I wasn't in good enough shape. So what I typically do is I'm climbing big, big mountains, you know, uh, I mean, I, I, I climb all the time, um, but in terms of one big mountain every year. And so I, I kind of throttle it up and bring it back. I work out every single day, but in terms mm-hmm. of that frequency and the intensity, um, I just ramp it up as I get closer um, to the actual date, um, which I'm leaving, which by the way, uh, I'll be leaving on January 6th for Antarctica uh, coming up. Um, but, you know, so right now I'm in this kind of acceleration mode of pushing it, you know, to a higher level. But I, I'll also say this, you know, again, I think it gets back to this, you know, when you're talking about the A&M game versus LSU, Again, it gets back to John Wooden, you know, the basic principles of the 25 different, you know, mm-hmm. it's individual and team. So, you know, you got to be the best that you can be and the strongest that you can be in order to then feed into the team mode right. of how that's going to affect, you know, the outcome of your, you know, your game or your mountain climbing or whatever you're going right. to do. Right. Right. And I, and I love to say we all, we all obviously believe that we is bigger than me, but I, you know, I think if you want to, if you want to contribute the best version of me into we, you've really got to work on yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just knowing that there's a bigger picture and, and then, and then, you know, and, and I mean, this, this is at all levels, you know, but you know, within the mountains, there definitely is a, there's a team component to it. It's not just that one guy going up because you're tethered, you know, to these others on a, on a rope, number one, number two, when you get into camp, there's a lot of work to be done in terms of putting up these different ice walls, which is not fun. 
um, mm. putting your, uh, your tent up and rolling everything out and then cooking and blah, 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 you know, it just doesn't end right there. And so, right. um, I've been in, in camps before where people have just gone over and sat down and they're not helping and just like, you know, okay, look, I just dragged the sled <laughs> for six and a yeah. half hours, you know, 135 pounds and get your ass right. up and help. Right. 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 Well, this has been unbelievable. Where, where can, to keep it real simple, well, I'm going to let you take the reins here where folks can find out every single thing about uh, finding your summits, okay, the e-course, uh, Water Boys, every, everything else they can find. Where, where can they go to find that information? Yeah, thank you. So um, where anybody can find me is www.markpatison, P-A-T-T-I-S-O-N, markpattisonnfl.com. And you can find all the information about Waterboys, um, Finding Your Summit podcast, Finding Your Summit e-learning course, my public speaking, and the climbs I'm going to be on. As a matter of fact, something that's really cool that's coming around the corner is uh, I, I've got something going with Garmin. And so I'll actually have a, a link on my website, on my expedition page, where people can actually watch me, you know, dot, 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 going up the mountain and yeah. coming back down, which is pretty cool. That is very cool. Yep. When, when will that go live? So it will go live the January 6th, probably fly, okay. showing me fly from uh, LA down to south of Chile and then from there going into the glacier. That is really cool. Best, best of luck on these remaining summits and, and everything else. And I cannot thank you enough. This has been, this is for entrepreneurs, for, for business owners, for, for business uh, executives, for climbers, for athletes. I mean, a ton of information here. Everything that you just mentioned will be in the show notes as well. Um, every link will be in the show notes. Um, you can find that at theathleticsofbusiness.com. Uh, check out more about what we do at the Molotor Group at themolotorgroup.com. And we would love to hear your feedback. This has been uh, some amazing time together and I appreciate it, Mark. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Athletics of Business. Be sure to give us a rating and review so we know how we're doing. For more information about the show, visit theathleticsofbusiness.com. Now, get out there, think, act, and execute at the highest level to unleash your greatness. 